decided to take advantage of one of these weeks between the series and Easter uh, to address a topic that's been on my heart for quite some time, and that topic is the responsibility that both Christian parents and the church that they're a part of have to the children that God has entrusted to them. I've actually felt drawn to uh, share this message for quite some time. Uh, I, I always believe this, but sort of in a special way today, I believe that God has directed and is guiding this message. Uh, what I'm going to share today is both supported uh, by the Bible itself and also through practical, uh, by practical uh, experience of sincere and serious Christians. And so what I hope today is that every single one of you are going to open your hearts and be receptive to the message that I have that, again, I believe is from the Lord. And I hope that you will be receptive to it, even though some of what I'm going to share is probably going to be challenging to a good many of us, uh, including myself. I've simply titled the message, Children, Parents, and the Church. And I want to start out, the first thing to emphasize today, I want to share the objective that all Christians should have for their children. And I mean this in two ways. First, it's the objective that Christian parents should have for their own children, the children that are within their home. And then it is also the objective that the Christian community together, the church, should have for all of the children that are a part of our church community. Here's the objective we all should have as Christians, that our children would know God, love God, and have confidence in God. That's our objective. We want them to know God. We, we want them to love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want them to have such a good relationship with Him that they have a really high level of confidence in Him. Here's what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 78, 1 through 8. Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our forefathers to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but keep His commandments." The NASB says it this way, that they should put their confidence in God. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. So the NIV tells us that our objective with our children is that they would put their trust in God and keep His commandments. And again, the NASB says it, that they would... Uh, put their confidence in God. That's what we want for our children. You can only have confidence in God if you know God. 
If you're familiar with him, you have a good relationship with him, you have to, you have to know him in order to be confident in him. And what did Jesus say of those that keep his commands? Who, who keeps his commands? Those that love him. That's right. That's right. This then is the objective all Christian parents should have for their children and the objective that all Christian communities should have for the children within their community, that their children would know God, love God, trust God, have confidence in God, grow in obedience to Him. Christian parent, that's what you're to be about in the life of your kids. It is the most important objective that you should have for your children. It is more important than the college that they attend. It is more important, it really is more important than how much money they make throughout their lives. It is even more important than involving them in sports, even the ones that you think might lead to a scholarship or a professional career. It's even more important than that. It's also more important than your children's comfort and convenience. It is the most important objective that we have as parents because the most important thing in all of life for every person who is ever born onto this planet is our relationship with God. It's the most important thing. This is our objective church. This isn't just the objective for parents. This is the objective of our church for the kids that are in our church community. So the objective is to know God, love God, and have confidence in God that our children would would do those things. And here's how that objective is accomplished. It is accomplished primarily through teaching, modeling, and fellowship. Teaching, modeling, and fellowship. Psalm 78 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. If you look at Deuteronomy 6-7, it lets us know that we are to be about instructing our children in the ways of the Lord when we get up, when we lie down, when we sit at home, and when we walk along the road. And here's the idea behind Deuteronomy 6-7. The idea is that all of life, everything you do where you interact with your kids, all of life is an opportunity for spiritually guiding our children. It happens through teaching. It happens through modeling, them watching our lives and seeing how we live. And it happens through all of life. It happens in informal teaching and informal teaching. It, it occurs throughout everyday life as we're just spending time together. It happens through that kind of just day in and day out interaction, day in and day out fellowship. 
understanding our objective in the lives of our children and how it's accomplished, we also need to understand our role in the lives of our children. John Piper, who is one of my uh, favorite uh, pastors and preachers, says that children of Christians are, quote, beloved wards of the new covenant community. Beloved wards of the new covenant community. And he says that they are, quote, kept by a spiritual guardianship awaiting the day of their personal awakening to faith in Christ. What this means then is that both Christian parents and the Christian community they are a part of, we are spiritual guardians of our children, watching out for their spiritual well-being until that time that they come to a personal faith awakening. You parents are the spiritual guardians of your children. And yours is the, res- uh, the primary responsibility of your children's spiritual guardianship. But the Christian community shares the responsibility for the spiritual guardianship of your children because Christian parenting is meant to happen in the context of Christian community. What this means is that in a very real sense, even though some of us may object when we first hear this, it really is true that it takes a village to raise a child. I appreciate the four of you that agreed with that. (laughs) And I'm going to persuade the rest of you before it is over. Because it is true. Now, as I understand it, that's an African proverb, but the Bible is supportive of this idea that the spiritual guardianship of the children of Christians is primarily the responsibility of parents, but is shared by the covenant community, is shared by the Christian community. And of course, there should have been more amens than that, because we affirm this every time we have child dedications in our church. Have you noticed this? What happens when we have child dedications is we ask parents before God and all of us as witnesses to affirm their responsibility before God for their children. And then we turn our attention to the entire congregation and we ask the church to affirm their commitments to pray for these families, to pray for the parents, to pray for the kids, to love them, to support them, and to provide the ministries that assist these families in seeing their children uh, raised to love and fear the Lord, to love and honor the Lord. With Christian parents and Christian communities sharing responsibility for the spiritual guardianship of children among us, it is important for us to understand the responsibilities that are unique to everyone involved. There are responsibilities that are unique to the Christian community. There are responsibilities that are shared between the community and the parents. And then there are responsibilities that are solely those of the parents. And so I want to talk about each of these 
uh, for the next few minutes. And first I want to address what Christian parents must do as spiritual guardians of their children that the church community cannot do for you. It is all on you, these things we're going to talk about. I cannot be a good enough pastor to do these things for you. The church community cannot do these things for you. They are entirely on you. Christian parents must make Christ the highest value and priority in your home. And this includes that Christ must be the highest value and priority, as counterproductive as this might seem at first, to, to the well-being of children, Christ must be the highest value and priority even over your children. For the Christian, as much as we love our children, as much as we're properly concerned for their safety and well-being and flourishing, for the Christian, Christ is to have first place in our lives even over our children. Between Christ and your children, parents, the priority has to be in that order. Christ, children. If it gets reversed and becomes children, then Christ, you will end up being unfaithful to God because what you've done then is you've made an idol out of your child. And in a cruel twist, while you might have put them there because you thought that was the thing to do that was in their best interest, it's actually the thing that ends up harming your child more than anything else that you can do to them. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, I think that this verse certainly has implications for parents or grandparents who, you know, responding to the call of God in their lives might move away from their children or their grandchildren, might say, you know what, I'd love to just have our neat, tidy family here close together, but the call of God is leading me to leave. I, I, I certainly think that that's in view here. But I think the broader implication we can take from this is simply that God has to be first in our lives, not our children. And what this means is that there will be times when what to our natural mind might seem to be best for our children, it's not actually the right choice for us to make. Let me give you an example. If my parents told me that they were moving to Texas in obedience to the call of God on their life, first of all, I would be very jealous because I love Texas. Secondly, I would not be very happy about this because I would see this as a pretty significant negative 
for myself and for my children, their grandchildren. But if they were truly responding to the leading of God, their obligation to obey God would be greater than their obligation to do what I perceive is in my best interest or even their grandchildren's best interest. Again, the point that is being made is simply that God must be first, the highest value, and the highest priority. And parents, no one else can do that for you. You are the ones who have to do that for your home. You are the ones that have to do that for your children. I can't. Our elders can't. Kentrell can't do it for you. Tanya can't do it for you. You have to be the ones to decide. In our home, Christ is going to be first. Christ is going to be above everybody else. Here's the second thing that Christians must do that the church can't do for you. And I know some of you are not going to like this. But I feel like I've gotten used to saying things you don't like in the last few weeks. So, I, so I'm just going forward. Some of you are going to think this isn't true, but it is absolutely true. Christian parents must make the church the center of your family's life and fellowship. It's growing. It's catching on. It's catching on. Now, the reason, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, it's just, it's just true, the reason that many Christians even will react negatively to that and have, oh, like, what, are we going to be a cult or something? What are you doing? The reason that even many Christians will react negatively to that is because the thinking, and again, I say this respectfully, but it's just true, the thinking of too many Christians is completely untethered from the Bible in the year 2019. And so when your thinking is untethered from the Bible, this sounds like a radical statement. But it's actually a very biblically accurate statement. Acts 2, 42 through 47 articulates the experience of the early Christians, which I believe remains a model for Christians throughout all time. And here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now there's obviously way more in there than what we can uh, unpack here today. That's not even really you know, what we're about today. I have talked about these verses in some detail at other times and I'll do so in the future. But here's the point. When you read those verses, it becomes crystal clear that the church... The Christian community was the center of the life and the fellowship of the believers. It was the center. It wasn't something that they did once a week. The church was who they were. 
It was the center of their lives. It wasn't an add-on to the rest of life. It was the center of life. Christian parent, if you are going to lead your family the way you ought to lead your family, Christ will be your highest value and priority, and the church will be the center of activity and fellowship for your family. And no one else can do this for you. This is a choice that only parents can make for their family, for their children. Entirely your responsibility. And if you are going to fulfill your responsibility as a spiritual guardian of your children, you must do these two things. You just have to. I saw a meme on Facebook recently that I shared. Um, I, I believe it's true. It's actually really sad, but it's true. Here's what it said. Parents who treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Parents who treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. You see, the church, according to the Bible, is the body of Christ. It's not optional. If you don't pick Jesus, reject his body. It comes together. It's a package deal. Some of you treat it that way. You treat it as though it is optional. And I say to you in love, you are making a huge mistake. And this church is actually filled with people who have recognized that mistake in their past, regret that mistake, and have spent much of their lives now trying to correct that mistake. And sometimes the damage of that mistake sticks with us for a while. Sometimes it lasts a lifetime. And so the earlier we can come to this truth and embrace it, the more we ensure that we don't cause damage in our homes that lasts throughout our lifetime. Those are the parents' responsibilities. Then there are responsibilities that Christian churches and parents share as spiritual guardians of the children in our community. Parents in the church share the responsibility of making the church a place where kids are known, accepted, and loved. This is something that parents and the church community have to do together. Parents, you have to facilitate your kids' exposure to the church, to other people within the church family. And the rest of us have to take the initiative to get to know you, parent, but not only you, but to get to know your children as well. Parents, your concern for the kids in our community needs to extend beyond your own kids. It needs to extend to all of the kids in our community. Members of our community with grown kids. Or members of our community who don't have kids yet. 
you are not off the hook for the kids in the community. You should not see them as uh, sort of like just non-entities as far as you are concerned. But you should recognize the responsibility of the whole church to make this a place that proactively works for our kids to feel and to know that they are known, accepted, and loved. And here's the key to this. We're not right now talking about formal ministries of the church. That's going to be the next point on the outline. So what this requires is for parents in our entire church to accept together that it's on us, not the formal ministries of the church, to make this happen, and then to take steps toward this that are not dependent on those formal ministries in the church. It happens as a natural byproduct of the church being the center of your life. It happens as a natural byproduct of the church being the center of your fellowship. It happens as a natural byproduct of our thinking being changed to where we all recognize that the kids in our community and the specific ways that I'm addressing today are our shared responsibility. Now this is a little bit of a weird example to apply to kids, but if you bear with me, I think, I think it'll work. Our, ch our church, in a sense, needs to be like the cheers bar <laughs> for, for those who sat around it. Now you have to be over 40 to even know what I'm talking about, uh, but, but the TV show Cheers, for those of you who know that, you remember the theme song of, of Cheers? Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Amen to that. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Amen to that. And here's, the, here's where the uh, illustration fits. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad that you came. That last line is our responsibility as a church family. To make it true for the children in our community. VCC needs to be a place where everybody, or at least large numbers of people, know the names of our children and are always glad to see them and communicate that they're always glad to see them. I can say with honesty that I've always valued children and children's ministry here at VCC, but I will admit to you that I don't think I've always appreciated the importance of our care for our community's kids extending beyond our formal ministries and extending to all of us to the extent that we can do this, having a personal relationship with the kids in our community, knowing them, allowing them to know us. And making sure that they're always aware that their church family is glad to see them. Every member of VCC should feel this responsibility. And each parent should accept the responsibility to facilitate their children knowing more people in our community. This is something that we share together. Along the same lines, we share the responsibility together to live out the one another's of the New Testament. I forget the exact number. I think there are some, something like 50-some one-another references in the New Testament. They are things like be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. 
1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer. I'll answer. But uh, think about it. Where are kids in all of those one another's that you read about in the New Testament? Where are they? They are right in the middle of it. They are right in the middle of it. The one another's apply to the children of the community just the same as it applies to the adults of the community. And again, this is the stuff that happens both informal ministries, but really even more importantly, it happens outside of formal ministries in the church. Because those of us in the community recognize our commitment to each other and to the kids in our community and recognize that we can't rely on just formal stuff to get the job done. That in all of our lives, we are responsible to be spiritual guardians of the children that God has entrusted to us. So we've covered the responsibility of parents, what only you can do. We've talked about what the the church and uh, individual uh, families, individual parents share as responsibility. And now I want to talk for just a few minutes about the responsibility uh, of the, the church and, and what the church has to do for children in our community that parents cannot do, that parents cannot do. Here's the first one. The church must provide formal spiritual education that supplements the in-home teaching and modeling that the parents are responsible for. And of course, we've, we have done this for the entire history of our church. Most churches do this. Churches do it with varying degrees of success and excellence, but, but most churches are committed to this. So we provide this for all ages of children through high school here at VCC. Through sixth grade, it's provided through age-specific Sunday school during our Sunday morning worship services. And then from 7th through 12th grade, it's provided through VCC Youth, which if you don't know, is a weekly meeting on Wednesday nights and then twice a month small group meetings on Sundays. Secondly, what churches must provide that parents can't provide are organized activities that supplement the informal fellowship that should be part of your family's church life. So VCC Youth is providing a lot of these opportunities, things like lock-ins and snow tubing trips and youth conference and movie nights, and Contrell just announced a, a summer camp. And for Vineyard Kids, we've done some of this stuff at various times throughout our history, and we are increasingly going to create more opportunities uh, for connection. For example, it won't be too long until you'll be hearing about a mom-daughter paint night coming up. Uh, in the summer, we're going to have a night that doesn't just say, hey, send us your kids and we'll take care of them for a few hours. It's going to say, hey, let's come together as kids and parents, as family units, and let's do some fun stuff together. And so we're going to be uh, doing uh, an increasing amount of these kind of things. The church is responsible for providing these types of opportunities and these are things that we recognize you parents can't make that kind of stuff happen. That is on the church to make those things happen. So again, there are responsibilities Christian parents have that the church can't do for you, responsibilities we share, and responsibilities that are on the church 
that the parents themselves cannot make happen. We all have to accept our responsibilities because we are spiritual guardians of our children. And we all have to be committed to fulfilling our role toward the objective of our children knowing God, loving God, and trusting God. Being confident in God. Now look, I know I'm going a little bit long today, and I apologize for that but not enough to not do it. And so I'm going to ask you to stick with me. I know we're at the time where you're going to start thinking about lunch and all that. And some of you get mad at me when I acknowledge this, but it's just a reality. Uh, several of you now are thinking, okay, let's, let's go. And the fact that you're talking about this, Brian, is just making it worse, so let's go. <laughs> but I need you to stick with me, okay? Stick with me. We're, we're going to be done almost certainly by 1130, maybe 1135. It's going to be a little longer than normal. It'll be okay. You'll survive. I promise you, you will survive. All right. So based on all that I've shared so far, I have six specific appeals that I want to make today on behalf of all the children of VCC. And here's the first appeal. Parents, I appeal to you on behalf of your children that you must make Christ the highest priority in your home and you must make the church central to your family life. You simply have to do it. I worry about many of you because I do not see the kind of consistency of involvement in the life of the church that would suggest your kids have any hope of seeing the church as being central in their lives. And I have to be honest with you. When the church isn't central in a family's life, it becomes very difficult to believe, virtually impossible to believe, that Christ is the highest priority in that family. Because again, Christ cannot be separated from his body. Look, we're all going to miss church sometimes. And I don't just mean Sunday. I mean the stuff that makes up the life of this church. We take vacations. I, I, I know this. I take vacations. The family comes down with an illness that affects the entire family. In my family, we're probably going to miss two or three Sundays a year uh, on vacation. I'm usually going to take my sons, Aaron and Austin, to one or two Bengals games in the fall. So I'm going to miss, miss Sunday there unless it happens to be a Thursday night game or a Sunday night game that we can go to. What I'm presenting to you today isn't about legalism. We all miss church occasionally. We all miss Sunday worship every once in a while. We all can't get to home group from time to time. We all fail to, to be able to... Uh, you know, attend uh, all the church fellowship opportunities. And a lot of times legitimately so. There's just reasons we can't do it. But I need to tell you that acceptable absence from the life of the community is something like what I've just described. A week here, a couple weeks there, that type of thing. There is no reason for opting out of the life of the church for several weeks at a time. There's just no reason for it. There's no reason for involvement in any aspect of church life 
being something you do 20% of the time. There's just no reason for it. And I'm just going to say it. Some of you are making a huge mistake by allowing sports to take your kids away from church for weeks on end and even months on end. You may not see it. You may resent me for saying it. You might even get mad at me and take your ball home. But I've gotten so used to that, I'm almost impervious to it at this point. And none of that changes the truth. It is a colossal mistake. And if enough Christian parents would put their foot down and not allow it, sports teams would start to adjust. Because most of the kids on the teams are Christians. At least nominally so. Culturally so. But for too many Christians, when God and sports come into conflict, sports win. Sports win. Now look, I can wrap my brain around sports taking kids away from the life of the church on occasion, a couple weeks here or there, but several weeks at a time, months at a time, friends, it is a bad choice. It is a colossal mistake. Christ must be your highest priority and the church must be central to your family's life. The second appeal is for parents and the entire congregation together. Children need to be included in fellowship and events with adults. Age-specific ministry has its place, but it should not be a child's exclusive involvement in the life of the church. Now, this is a place where I think Vineyard Potascala and myself, as the senior leader of Vineyard Potascala, have fallen short. Thank you for the amen on that one. It, it, it actually was unnecessary at that point, but okay. It, it has not been intentional. It hasn't been, I'm just joking around. It hasn't been intentional. It has not been deliberate. But I am willing to admit that we have fallen short. And we are taking some steps to correct it. Now, I do want to offer a word of caution here. In correcting a wrong, we have to be careful not to overreact or to overcorrect. We will have gone too far if we ever take the position that everything is about the kids in our community. Or if we go to the point of saying the kids are the most important thing in the community. They are important. I think we can say there's nothing more important. But, but we can't go to the point of saying everything revolves around the kids now or we've done exactly what parents have done when they put the kids in the first place. So there has to be balance here. I don't believe there's any responsibility of the church more important, like I said, but again, it's not the same thing as saying that the kids have to be the focus of everything. And so that's not what we're going to do. We do need to include them in more than we have in the life of the church, not just age-specific ministries. And we're starting to do that. I commend the women's ministry. They have uh, started doing that, uh, had, had uh, their daughters, uh, at least in one of our uh, recent events. I know the men's ministry now has been consistently welcoming 
sons of you know fathers in the community to uh, attend our breakfast. I know Mark is making plans to do some things that specifically have our male children uh, in mind for some of our future breakfasts. And so we're going to continue to do some of that uh, as we move forward and find more ways to bring adults and children together. Third appeal. All families with kids need to be interacting with other families with kids as families. Too often what happens is we parents see every informal social gathering with others in the church as an opportunity to get a sitter. And that's okay, but it shouldn't be what we do all the time. Too often, those of us us with kids that are old enough to just opt out and stay home alone, permit them to opt out of interactions with other families in the church in favor of just hanging out by themselves at home, I believe that our primary friendships as families should be with other Christian families and you should be friends as families. This is part of how kids come to be known, accepted, and loved and to have their identity in their Christian community knowing this is where I belong. This is my family. For three years when my family lived in Texas, There was a wonderful family who welcomed us into their home as a family. We were new. We had never known them. It wasn't like we were reconnecting with them after years apart. They were a a brand new friendship for my parents. And they consistently invited us into their home as a family. We only were in Texas three years. It has been 35 years since I lived in Texas. And to this day, I can't even hardly talk about these people without getting emotional. To this day, these are some of the most precious people to me in the entire world. We need this kind of stuff. If my parents would have just left me at home every time they got together with these people, these people wouldn't mean anything to me. But they brought me along. And now these people are just absolutely precious to me. I want to say more about this, but the time. Fourth, as a church, we must share the responsibility for providing the spiritual education and activities that supplement what's happening at home. And I don't have the time to beat around the bush here, so I'm just going to say a few things. Please know I'm saying these out of love. I love everybody that anything I say in the next couple minutes applies to. I love you. I believe what I'm saying is for your good. It's also for the good of our entire community, okay? We, we, have, we have to do better. We have to do better in, in providing the formal ministries to our kids. We have to do better. It is a common problem in churches, and it is a problem in this church, but it should not be a common problem in churches, and it should not be a problem in this church. Vineyard Kids is chronically understaffed. We have advertised for help in children's ministry for, I don't know, pretty much all of 2019. And in that time, we have had two people sign up to say they would help. We're thankful for those two people. If I didn't think I'd make them uncomfortable, I'd identify them and give them a big round of applause. I'm not sure they would like that. But that's not enough people responding to three months' worth of appeals. It's just not. 
And if I haven't made the need plain, let me do so today. If we continue to have trouble staffing the ministry, we will get to the place where we will simply have to shut down classes when we can't meet the need. We don't want to do that because we care about these kids. But the domino effect of problems it creates when we don't have a teacher, it, it just can't always be overcome if people don't choose to, to step up. And so one thing I want to say today, there's so much more I could say, but one thing I want to say is if you have kids in the ministry and you're not serving, that should change. You should serve. You should serve. I feel the love. Okay. Secondly, it's just, just going to get rougher. Uh, we are appreciative of all of our teachers in Vineyard Kids. You guys do a, a wonderful job. You, you really do. And I am going to say that what I'm about to talk about has gotten better recently. And so we're very appreciative of that, and God bless you for that. But, but I do need to talk about this because it's another chronic problem. And here it is. There really is not a good reason other than you are sick, you got called into work, or your family has some kind of crisis. Other than those three things, maybe I've missed something, but there aren't, there aren't many more than that. I cannot think of any reason that you should need to call off on a Sunday morning. Here's what the commitment is down to once a month. And every single teacher got their first choice of weeks. There should be no reason that we need to call off. Love you. And here's, here's a third problem that we're currently facing. For the summer, we are being told that people can't duplicate that once-per-month schedule that they were committed to in the winter because, quote, we're going to be gone a lot. So we've actually changed how we're staffing for the summer. And so far, again, there, there's been pretty good response to it. But we're still about 40% short of having our children's ministry fully staffed for the summer. And again, that's going to mean either that we're going to have to combine classes or we're going to have to close classes. And I, I say this in love. I say this with your best interest at heart. But you really need to receive this even if you don't like it. And this applies to everyone, not just teachers in, in uh, Vineyard Kids. Here it is. You should not be gone so much during the summer that you cannot fulfill a once-per-week commitment. Once per month, sorry. Thank you. Once per week, you could be gone enough to not be able to fulfill that. You should not be gone so much through the summer that you cannot fulfill a once-per-month commitment. It stinks when you have a line like that. You mess it up. It just stinks. <laughs> Summer is not the time of year when too busy for church life is acceptable for Christians. It's just not. Take your vacation. You know, it's a three-week vacation. God bless you. That's not the whole summer. That's not three months. You don't need to be gone three months. 
What that shows us when families do that, when parents make that choice for their family, it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of church life. And it's a fundamental misunderstanding of your responsibility to ministry, and it's a fundamental misunderstanding of your responsibility to our church community and to the children in our community. Again, I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm not trying to be hard or overly demanding. I don't believe this appeal is either of these things. I'm simply asking us to be the church that we say we are and fulfill our responsibility to be the spiritual guardians of the children in our community. Fifth thing, as parents, we must involve our kids in the opportunities that the church provides. Parents, if you have vineyard kids, age kids, they should be involved in vineyard kids. If you have VCC youth age kids, they should be involved in VCC youth. In our 14 years as a church, I have continually been amazed and disappointed at how many families call this their church home, but their kids are not involved in any of the ministries that are available to them. And there are a lot of reasons that we hear for this. Sports gets blamed a lot. Of course, the sports can't make that choice for your children now, can they? Okay, that was a little too, too hard there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some parents simply allow their kids to choose not to be involved in what they prefer not to be involved in. And so they don't, like there's not even a schedule conflict. It's just like, hey, yeah, we, we let them choose not to do this. Allowing kids to opt out of your church's ministries without even having a schedule conflict is a horrible idea. It's like parents know in every area of a kid's life that it's good to require some things of them until we get to their spiritual lives. And then we think like the gold standard of parenting advice is let them find their own way. Let them figure it out for themselves. Make their own choices. No respect to any of you under 18, but if you're letting your under 18-year-old make all their own choices... Well, I'm not going to say that, but somebody said something really harsh up here. We're almost done. Even for those kids who are involved in other Christian groups or activities outside of your church family, I would like to respectfully suggest that those should be an addition to their involvement in what's going on for them here, not a substitute. Your kids need to be fully involved in their own church. It's how they come to feel known, accepted, and loved in a way that truly enables them to see the church as their family and fully receive the benefit of being a member of a church family. So I'm out of time. I'm going to wrap this up. So let me summarize this. We are all responsible for the children of our community. We all affirm that that is true at every dedication that we ever have. And all I'm asking us to do is take those affirmations seriously. I'm asking us to take the spiritual guardianship of our community's children seriously. I'm asking us to commit each and every one of us to fulfilling our responsibility to help all the children in our community know God, love God, and be confident in God. Can at least some of you say amen to that?
Let's stand. 